spring break. Ladies and gentlemen, the show that we call the Air Raid Attack Podcast is back. So it's been a while, the 22nd of October episode. And that was when we were talking about the Big Ten return to college football. And since then, so much has happened, not just in sports, but the world and all, of course, here locally. Of course, we won't go into the presidential debate. That's a whole different story. But we will, I am sure, talk about what took place here in the Oklahoma City Metro. But it's good to be back, as always. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google, to name a few. Follow us on Twitter at Air Raid underscore podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And so, guess what? We have a special guest joining us tonight on the podcast. He is from the Just OK Sports podcast, where they break down Thunder basketball, Sooner football, and do recruiting interviews and analysis. They can be found on Twitter at Just OK Sport. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Wherever you are listening from, whether it's here in Oklahoma, across the United States, or even in Ireland or Canada, will you please give a virtual round of applause as I introduce our today's guest, Daryl. Daryl, welcome. Hey, thank you so much, Michael. Thanks for having us on, man. This is good stuff. Hey, absolutely. And uh, it's been my pleasure. Of course, we've been talking for a while to try to get this to happen. And glad that we were able to... Uh, to get it, of course, with the holiday season going about. I know, yeah. I'm sure you are busy, as along as everybody else is across the country, getting preps uh, for Thanksgiving, and of course, here in a few weeks or a month and a few days, uh, Christmas. Yeah, well, and uh, you know, of course, all of us right now, it's it's making plans that may not happen, right, for all of us. I mean, even today, uh, I've got family. We've got just a few family coming for Thanksgiving, and two are exposed to COVID. So you know we've got a newborn in our house. And so it was, well, we're going to get tested and we may be there. We may, I mean, so it's, it's what it's been all of 2020. We're, we're moving ahead as though things are going to happen with a sure idea that nothing may happen. So that's, that's just kind of how it's been all year long, man. Oh, absolutely. I'm with you. I think a lot of people, uh, probably are both. They're not, yeah, they probably should. Where should I go? Should I not go? Of course, yeah. Um, CDC says they don't recommend it. It's at your own risk type of things. So, of course, like you said, and you mentioned it. It's it's 2020 at its best, and uh, of course, of course, I don't know about you, Daryl, but for me, uh, personally, it's been a year for me personally, up and down. But besides the 2020 outbreak, how how, how has your year been? I mean, overall, good. Uh, for us, uh, my wife and I have said it has been the year of change. Uh, it's been pretty crazy. We we started, or I guess kind of ended 19, uh, finished my master's degree up, and so that was kind of a transition of coming out of going to school full-time again late in life and trying to kind of enter back into full-time career stuff. And new job, new house, new dog, new baby, um, all within like four months uh, from January through April um all those changes uh hit our lives and so it has just been great and then covid you know on top of it which has just created a whole new world um so yeah man up and down i mean lots of exciting stuff for us it's been really good stuff but man it's uh, there's definitely been moments of discouragement and struggle and and all that kind of stuff and i think all of us kind of have, have felt that through the year so uh, been a wild wild ride i am i'm I'm hoping that 21 kind of returns to some kind of a, a normal year, but we'll see what happens. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as we all count down to 20, uh, the year 2021, 
um, we kind of hope, of course, for the best, and and Lord willing, we can get there, get, get at least get to some normalcy uh, in its yeah. place. Uh, speaking of normalcy, um, do you think sports in itself, not just sports, but in life in general, um, do you think that this has really put us in a different perspective in regards to what lines up in our priorities uh, over certain things, or do you think some people are um, I don't know, should say how should I word this? I guess priorities. Do you think that we finally realize what's more important in our life? There we go. That's more like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, if you haven't evaluated that, then I think you just kind of put your your head in the sand, right? I mean, it's it really has kind of stepped us back, and okay, what are we going to do, and what are we not going to do? Um, and so I, I would hope so. I know for us, it definitely has. I mean, we've changed a lot of things about what we do and how we do it. Um, you know, I, I think, and maybe even more so than priorities, I would say the majority of people I talk with, I think it's really just brought gratitude. You know, I think, you know, you, you take so much for granted and we say that all the time, like every year, you know, if you lose a loved one, man, we take these things for granted, but this has wrecked everything, right? Our, our kids sports, our careers, um, many people, you know, job stuff in flux, the economy, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I think it's just kind of reminded us that we've kind of been living on the high horse for a long time and that we just need to be grateful for the things that we get to do and and really see it that way that we get to do. I mean, you know, we were just talking. I had my son and his flag football practice tonight. There was a point there where none of that was happening, you know, and he was really bummed about that. And so, you know, what a year ago was, oh, man, I got another practice to go to mm-hmm. kind of turns into, man, all right, we get to go to practice tonight. You know, we got to wear a mask, but we got to go. So, like, we get to do this. Let's go and have a great time. And so I think it's just really kind of valued things better, I think, for, for me, um, along with some priorities. Absolutely. And, you know, on my end and some of the people that out there that is listening may or may not know, but, you know, my dad had a major stroke in April, um, mm. mid-April, I believe. And so that was uh, got a call at work. Hey, or, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, that was tough because, you know, as we all majority know, and I think they just announced a few days ago or yesterday that you know, visitation hospitals and so on and so forth yeah. is limited again. And so, you know, in that aspect, I'm sure many people can relate is, when your loved ones are in nursing homes or hospitals fighting for their lives and so on and so forth, you know, you get that the what if moments is that the last time I'm going to see him, so on and so forth. And so, but no, I think I'm with you. I think this year really put uh, 2020 into perspective. Um, you know, not so much for the Oklahoma Sooners won or lost a playoff game, which all, all of us Sooner fans should get used to that by now. But no, it's it's realized that, uh, hey, you know, there's more important things out there than whether OU or OSU or who, whatever the case may be, won or lost or whatever, so on and so forth. Um, there's more important things out there than a win and loss column. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even like this year, it's just, Let's just get through a season, right? Like, I mean, again, it's just like we get football. So, like, I mean, yes, we still want to win and all those things. But, like, I mean, I, I told Troy this on our podcast this week. I kind of expected us to make it about five, six games in the season to be over. I was just hoping that we would get some games. And now um, here we are, and we're still going. And so, yeah, like, I don't like it when we lose. But it's like I got to watch a football game. And that's that's really what I just want to be able to have right now. Same here. And, you know, I think I had um, when the schedule originally released, I was like, man, we'll be lucky if we can get past Army, 
I think they're gonna cancel it. Of course, then when they restructured the code, um, I would. I think I had us finishing the season against Iowa State. I don't think I had us playing Texas. Of course, then the over the four over, which we'll get to here in a shortly. You got the four thriller. I'm like, man, this is really cool. I hope we get it next week and next week. And of course, Baylor with their issue with down there, and of course now all the other universities having COVID issues. I'm like. Oh no, we may not we may not make it to the bowl game. We may not make it to the Big Twelve yeah. Championship game. So I think all of us diehard college football fans are probably crossing the, our fingers to at least finish out what two or three weeks left and then yeah. and then we can start the twenty one season. Absolutely. Um, you know, and hopefully we get there and it looks like we're we're getting close. And speaking of college football, of course, if you're in Oklahoma, you know what this weekend is. It's Bellum. Um, Daryl, what's your what's your thoughts before we dissect the game? What's your thoughts on on this year's Bellum? Of course, we all know Mike Gundy has beaten Oklahoma twice as as head coach of Oklahoma State back in 2011 in Stillwater, and I think uh, 2014. I think I don't remember. Recall. Um, I think 2014, but we all know by the punt that whether you agree that not to agree, it should have been repunted. It's done and over with. Uh, but uh, yeah. what's your, what's your thoughts on Oklahoma State? Do, do you do you think for the seniors and for the kid that's been in Bedlam before, does this become a mentality mind game set for Oklahoma State, a team that has absolutely struggled uh, last decade and absolutely and just in general in the rivalry? Uh, struggle against Oklahoma. Do you think that this starts to become a mind game? Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt. Um, you know, when when you go up against a team that you just can't get over that hump of, there there really is kind of a mental hurdle, right? And, and it's a little bit like we talked about. Like, let's just put it in a in a smaller microcosm of of Oklahoma. You go through those first couple of games with K State and Iowa State, where they're giving up these leads late in the game, right? And then sure enough, when you see the Texas game happen, you just could feel it. As soon as something went wrong again late in that game, it's like, here we go again. And then they've kind of leveled that out and kind of gotten over that. But winning that Texas game is what helped them get there, right? Mm-hmm. That was step number one. And so, yeah, there's there's no question. They, they know the history. They know the tradition of OU, um, all those things. Anybody that's played sports, there's, there's always that team um generally that just makes no sense they always play you tough and you know going in you know maybe we're a hundred times better than they are but they're really tough or you know a team that's way better than you but you always play them tough um and so there's no question those things linger and stick around um but this is a, a hate game week and there's lots of kids on that roster in Stillwater that wanted to be in norman and it's you know kind of that thing um where they want to prove it you know trace ford i think is is one of those guys, Calvin Bundage is one of those guys. I mean, these are guys that were highly recruited, you know, sought after. They both kind of, um, you know, seemed as though through the recruiting process that they were hoping that OU would jump in and they never did. And so this is their moment to, to make that mark. Um, but yeah, if things aren't going well, the, the snowball begins. And well, here we go again. We're, we're playing OU again. Absolutely. And, you know, you, th- you look at Oklahoma State and, and on paper and, and people out there that's listening knows I'm a Sooner fan, but when you talk, it's a non-biased aspect. On paper, you look at Oklahoma State, probably, especially in the running game, um, you would imagine give the edge on them defensive-wise. 
uh, OSU is struggling as well as Oklahoma has, uh, but the defense for Oklahoma State has helped them um, pull out some games, of course, against Kansas State to, and Iowa State, uh, two games that the OSU could have lost, but the defense in some ways and, and help them get the win. You look at Oklahoma State um, offensively, I'm not for sure if Chubba is 100% or not. Um, what's your opinion um, on the quarterback position? I guess is, is Spencer Sanders starting this week? Do you know by chance? Uh, everything that I've heard seems to be leaning that direction, uh, that he's good to go um, and, and will be ready. Um, but, you know, in, in this age, you never know. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley's one of the worst. Um, as much as I love him, I mean, that guy doesn't want to tell you anything about anyone. I mean, even the other day, and his, his Spencer uh, Spencer Rattler, good. He says a hundred percent. I'm like, yeah, I, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, I, I'm not even like, I'm not even going to listen to you right now until I see him under center for the first snap of the game. So, you know, but yes, it, it seems as though he'll be back and good and. Um, you, you know, and that's the other thing about this game. You don't want guys like that out and not 100%. You want those guys. You want this game to be um, everything it's supposed to be, and whoever walks away the winner gets a whole year of just, you know, throwing shade at the other squad for a whole year. And so um, you want it that way. But it does seem as though Spencer's going to play from everything we've heard. Very nice. And um, Oklahoma, of course, defensive-wise, um, in my opinion, they've looked a lot better. Uh, Mookie still mm-hmm. makes some plays that and decisions that I was I still question, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But um, Oklahoma's defensive-wise has absolutely came out to play, of course, uh, against Texas Tech. They've they've dominated them uh, from start to – well, from the second defensive possession right. from until the end of the game, they started dominating them. Of course, they absolutely um, gave Kansas what we all thought was going to happen. So you look at Oklahoma State's defense, they helped uh, OSU get that. Who has an edge on defensive-wise? Um, Oklahoma in the speed defense or the Oklahoma State team with more experience over Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, this is one of the fascinating things. Um, I, I'm not sure who really holds the edge. I would say this, and this is what's crazy, with all the talent on offense, um, and Troy disagrees with me. He's my co-host on our our podcast. Well, we talked about this just the other night. I believe the defenses for both schools are the most trustworthy at this mm-hmm. point. Um, now, early in the season, yes, the, the defense kind of – you know, gave up late leads, all but that was all the way around. It was turnovers by the offense, um, putting the defense in bad positions, et cetera, et cetera. It all kind of worked together. Um, but yeah, if you're asking me right now, do I trust Spencer Rattler to not turn the ball over and make good decisions in the last minute and a half to win the game, or do I trust the defense to come up with a play? I trust I trust OU's defense, right? And I would say the same for OSU. Do I trust Spencer Sanders to not turn the ball over in a minute and a half left to go in the game? Or do I trust Trace Ford to come off the edge and, and make plays to win the game? I'll, I'm, I would rather put put it in the hands of Trace Ford. So the defenses are, are you know, leading the way, and that's that's going to be it. The team that locks in better on the defensive end and outperforms the other, I think, decides the game. Um, and it, it should be a fascinating matchup. I think both these defenses are playing at a high level. Um, they're getting turnovers when they get their opportunities, and they both have an incredible pass rush, and that's what you need in this league. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and again, just like Oklahoma, Texas and a rivalry like this, you know, the 
two teams can be winless, <clears throat> and it's always you, you just don't know what you're going to get out of this. You look at Oklahoma State's defense; they dominate, of course, defensively on third downs. The pass defense has only allowed, I believe, more than one touchdown uh, pass once. And even in one game, the defense allowed a ton of points, which I believe was 41 against Texas in that overtime loss in Stillwater. You look at OSU's defense, <clears throat> it can definitely make the plays. Oklahoma, uh, I look at Spencer Rattler. Of course, this kid can play. I'm yeah. that man. This kid, this kid can play. Um, do you think, and I, I think on this one, I will have to probably say we could probably see a potential repeat against Texas if that was to happen. What's your take? Do you think Spencer Rattler could easily be benched if we see another repeat what uh, he did in the first half against Texas and then come back in the second half against Oklahoma State? Man, that's a great – I haven't thought about that. Um, I mean, he handled it so well the first go-round, you would think so. Um, but at some point, um, that that is going to take its toll. Now, would it be this game? I don't think so. Um, but at some point – you know, a guy, you just can't keep doing that. And, and and Lincoln knows that. I mean, Lincoln knows, you You know, third, fourth, fifth time you're doing something like that is not good, and, and you shouldn't be beyond it. Now, um, we'll see. I mean, Spencer, ever since that bitching, has looked fantastic, has made much better decisions, um, really scanning the field. The only downside, I think, was the Kansas game, um, where all of a sudden you saw him kind of reverting back to some of those bad habits, holding the ball too long. Um, staring certain receivers down and not really going through his progression, looking for the home run ball a little too much. And while he only had the one turnover that we all know that it appeared that though Rambo just quit running his route. Um, so it may not have been, but the fumble that he had that didn't go in the box score as a fumble because we recovered it was a really bad play of him just holding, 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 staring at one guy. And at some point you just have to throw the ball away. Him trying to run a guy over. I mean, Spencer, bro, you're you're 185 soaking wet. Like there's there's no need to do that. And even uh, Lincoln addressed that in his press conference this week, right? Of um, Kyler Murray looked to slide at every opportunity once he got what he could get. Um, Kyler was never trying to run people over, but he did have a mental toughness to him, and he talked about that. That's what Spencer um, needs to have in here. So um, I think he could handle it, uh, but you need to have a guy at this point in in his career. That's still going to make mistakes, but not to the point that you feel like you need to sit him down and then bring him back in order to get him on track. Absolutely. I think, you know, and I understand the pressure of Spencer. I get it probably. You know, you come out of high school, one of the, well, the best quarterback out of high school, uh, one of the best players in general uh, out of high school. Of course, you're, you're following the footsteps of a Heisman Trophy winner in Baker, Burr, who won the Heisman. And it goes to Hurts, who won uh, a national championship out of Alabama, of course, then transferred to Oklahoma. Of course, he's a runner-up to the Heisman. So I, I can get the pressure of it, of course, being at Oklahoma's pressure enough. You look at Oklahoma, uh, the key to this, and I, and I like this, if you look at the stats-wise, is uh, Oklahoma is the best in the Big 12 when it comes down third downs. And you got a team against Oklahoma State, defensive-wise, can – is the best team against the th on third down. So it's going to be an interesting matchup when you look at the third down conversions. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is, I think, for all of us Sooner fans that we don't – we haven't guessed, I guess. I mean, I'm not for sure. I can't speak for everybody. But a team that uh, in years past we are five plays, 75 yards, a buck 22, we score. You know, and so on and so forth. This year the team leads the league in, uh, in the clock, in time of possession. Right. 
do you think Oklahoma, if you're Oklahoma, and even though they can score at any given second, especially with um, the, um, Stevenson back at running back, mm-hmm. there's another weapon. Do you think Oklahoma, again, owns the clock in time of possession, or do they have to in, in regards to try to keep this a close game if they feel that they can't beat Oklahoma State? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have to, but I think that that running the ball and running the clock against their defense is a good thing. I mean, number one, they they're strong in the back end, especially if uh, if um, uh, Peel Coel Peel plays right. So they're they're strong back there, and then it's their pass rush. So how do you defeat that? Well, you run it down their throat, and the more that your offensive linemen are leaning on their defensive linemen the more fatigued that they are. And so while that might keep the game close early, if they can kind of get back to some of those years of the Rodney Andersons, the Samaj P. Ryan kind of offense where you really are just grinding it down at them that way, it's going to open your big play more. But also late in the game, that pass rush is going to become much less. Um, and just their their willingness just to pin their ears back and come is not going to happen when you're running the ball so much. So Stevenson – is a game changer in my opinion uh, for that reason because he should be able to get you two yards anytime he touches the ball just with his sheer size and his physicality um, of running downhill. So he should keep things moving forward and going that way. Um, is Lincoln going to do it that way? We'll see. Um, I think it'll depend on who's on the field and who's not, but I don't think it's a bad strategy. Uh, to try to hold the ball a little bit more in this game, and especially with the confidence you do have in your defense. I mean, I think there's a there's a case to be made for kind of playing that SEC style of football um, of clock management and letting your defense just run loose on them a little. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at this program, I, you know, you've got to give Alex Grinch uh, a lot oh of credit, gosh. especially this year. You know, you look at last year's, you know, I get that was his first year, but, of course, we can all, unfortunately, it's fresh in our minds, the, the beatdown that LSU uh, gave Oklahoma in the in the Peach Bowl um, a few months back. But you look at it um, this way, the, the run game against the, the run defense has been the dominant, uh, more impressive uh, performance, I think, thus far. Do we see – I know Trey Brown in the secondary. Of course, you got you got Buki. Um, <laughs> I know Buki's had a, had a uh, let's just say interesting year so far. Yep. Over or under? Do you think Buki ends up with at least an interception in this game? Oh wow! Um, or do you say? I know Trey Brown's helped us out, but do you see anybody in the secondary that we haven't heard from this year can make a step up and make a uh, game deciding play? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it would be somebody that we haven't seen. I think it will be interesting to see how much Trey Norwood plays in this game. Um, when you know what his coverability is and to put him back at safety um, to help with a guy like Tylen Wallace, I think that that's intriguing. Um, as far as Buki getting an interception, I'm going to say no. Uh, not because I'm just a hater on Buki. I mean, look, here's what we all know. Number one, he is completely non-fundamental in his tackling um, and has been most of his career. He still wants to go and just throw shoulders into people. He he wraps up about one out of 1,500 tackle attempts, and so that gets him into trouble. And then it's just dumb plays, and then it's 
grabbing guys in the wide open field when there's no need to, right? It's taking out Clyde's Edward Hilaire when there's no need. I mean, it's personal fouls and those kinds of things that you're just going, what, like, why? Like, what are you doing and why would you do that? It's not that he's had terrible games this year overall. It's just complete mental breakdowns of just plays of going, why would you do that? Um, That kind of get him into trouble. So, you know, that'll be that. Trey Brown will be good. I'm very interested to see. I still believe that our two best corners are Jaden Davis and Woody Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, while Trey Brown has been very good, um, it, it, he still just reverts back to all those years of being just better athlete than everyone and just not trusting his fundamentals. Um, as you know, Jaden Davis is a coach's son, so he is very sound in his technique. He's very sound in his fundamentals. And then Woody Washington has just been a revelation this year um, as he's come in and played and played extremely well uh, for this team. So those guys I would expect to uh, to play quite a bit. And then, of course, I think the other guy that's kind of off the radar, it's Jeremiah Cradell. Um, we saw him come in early and often against Kansas. Now, granted, it's Kansas, but he has been playing more the last three weeks. Um, is this a guy, especially with Chuba Hubbard and LD Brown and that running game that might play a little bit more with his size and physicality um, on the field? And if so, does he make an impact? So I, I the off the radar guys for me are are Trey Norwood, um, Jeremiah Cradell, and but at the corners, I think it's gonna be um, a day where Woody Washington probably will get more run than anybody at Tylen Wallace, and that will be a very intriguing map, matchup. Oh, absolutely. I think Washington stepped up. Oh, I, and I like what he, how he looks and, and plays. And and uh, so, of course, all jokes aside, but I got to add this one last joke. Four under, do we see Buki, uh, do we see Buki, uh, over or under, do we see Buki be injected for a late hit? Oh, gosh. Uh, not ejected, but I, I will say that he will get a personal foul. How about that? I, I will definitely put – uh, let's see. If you give him two, if you give him two interference calls and a personal foul in the game, that's what thirty-five yards that's of penalty. Yep. I, I will go for the over in yardage um, in this game for Buki. That's what I would do. <laughs> now I have got to have a little fun there. Hopefully, Buki, hopefully Buki can play. Just play out, and hopefully he can play some football, and we'll be we'll be all right. Um, and as, once it's all said and done, Rambo hasn't been much of a threat at all this year for Oklahoma. Uh, we have thought, um, Mims though, Oof. I love this kid, boy, love him, him and Stogner, Hazelwood. Once he gets back, um, of course, I think he is back though. Um, Theo West can play at times. I know, um, Drake Stoops has come up especially big against. Uh-huh. Um, do we could we see Rambo have one big game and this could be it I mean of course um, and especially with Stevenson back I mean again that helps Rambo a ton um, because again it's that play action game um, the more that Stevenson is getting you know four or five six yards a carrier like he did the other night nearly seven yards a carry that's going to open up him coming over the top. And, and look, Oklahoma State safeties are not shy about coming up and helping oh, in the run game, and they come with bad intentions. And so, you know, if you can get Stevenson going, then even sprinkle in some of that change of pace with pleasure in there, that's where Rambo could be effective in this game and really open things up. But, look, I, I don't like to, to, to be negative on any of these kids, and even oh, including Buki, of – 
they're all 20 year old kids trying to, and they're, they're more successful than any of us were in in the sports we played. Right. But it's just clear for Rambo that number one, he doesn't like playing a physical game of football. Um, Even when you watch him play these bubble screens, it's a lot of dancing, no decisiveness. um, and, And it really comes down to getting hit returning kicks. There's no decisiveness. If there's a crease, He's going to kind of work his way through. It just seems like he's kind of a little bit afraid of taking the big hit. And then again, his route tree just isn't very clean. Um, You're not going to see a lot of, you know, double and triple moves coming out of Rambo. You're not going to see just good, clean, crisp out routes, right? You're not going to see him set up a guy and just get a slant and get his if he needs to get that four to five yard route and get yards. He is going to run really good comeback routes because the speed that he has allows that corner, allows him to have a corner that gives him space. And so that comeback is always there. And then it's things like those crossers where he just comes free and uses his speed to get open or it's deep routes. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of what he has to offer. Um, and so, I mean, again, it's going to be very dependent on Stevenson. If the run game gets going, Rambo could have a huge day outside of that. I don't know that he's a guy that you look at and just count on as a focal point of the offense at all. I think you definitely go Stogner, Weiss, and even Hazelwood um, long before you do him. Absolutely. I think um, hopefully we can get at least a decent game out of Rambo. I still think Mims is the main target. And, boy, I tell you what, I don't know if he's related to Mims. That's Was that Baylor who now plays currently with the Jets or not? But if he's not related, they got some good genes because, man, that kid can play. Dude, he – I mean, again, that's the thing. You watch this kid play. He catches the ball with his hands nine times out of ten. Um, when you watch him run his routes, he is very clean and very professional in his route running. At a young age, he's understanding the concepts of zone and how to find those pockets in the zone. Uh, to get open. I mean, he's just got a very, very good feel um, for the game, and and it's really impressive to watch. I mean, I don't know that I would put him on a C.D. Lamb level because I think the more that we saw C.D. Lamb, we realized just how good he really was. Um, But Mims, man, he is definitely a guy that as long as he stays healthy and if he continues to grow and get stronger and those kinds of things, is definitely going to be an NFL receiver that that makes noise in the NFL. Oh, by far, I think he could easily um, he could easily shatter records galore, and as the receiving core at Oklahoma. Uh, when it comes down to it, um, what's your final take? Give us your prediction. I got Oklahoma. Uh, you look at it, kind of give set the set the timeline for for everyone that's listening. Oklahoma started season one and two. Practically, including myself, everybody thought season's over. You might as well just have a COVID outbreak. Let's just end it and, and move on and so on and so forth. Of course, a Texas win and kind of help jumpstart the season. Of course, now Oklahoma's had dominated. Oklahoma State, you don't know what kind of week you're going to get. Struggle against Tulsa looks good against some other teams, but struggle as a late. Um you look at Ty, uh, Tylen Wallace's availability to go a long ways. Mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion, determines for OSU's sake. How do you – what's your final prediction and your take on who wins this game? Uh, I mean, I think the, the, the deciding factor in the game is going to be OU's defensive line versus the offensive line of Oklahoma State, right? I think that – if this defensive line can continue to look like it has, I think you force Spencer Sanders into making some mistakes 
um, and trying to do a little too much because the pressure is, is all around him. Um, if that can happen, I still think it's a close game because, oh, I mean, we've seen, right? I mean, this is a, a team that still should have beat Texas with four turnovers and, and technically five turnovers in the game. I mean, I'm sorry, when you get four and five turnovers, you have no business winning a game. Now, granted, did they lose the game? Yes, but, like, they're still in it it's because their defense is that strong. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. But I think this is a very close game. I think mo- much closer than a lot of OU fans are thinking. Um, on our on our podcast the other day, I picked 34-28. Um, I've even been learning, leaning more towards 34-30 um, as we get a little bit closer to this game and just kind of knowing there, there could be a potential for some COVID issues. Um, it does not seem that Trajan Bridges will be back. Um, some different things like that. I think this will be a nail-biter. I think this definitely comes down to the fourth quarter. Um, and again, the defense that, that is winning uh, the day, I think, is the team that's going to win the game. Absolutely. And I think uh, I think you nailed it right there. It's the defensive line. I think on both sides of the ball, uh, especially on both sides of the team, I should say, you look at Oklahoma, the defensive line is, is probably one of the best I've seen in quite some time, especially quick off the snap. Heck yeah. Um, speedy, fast. Speed, I, mean, I was being speedy. Um, you look at a Spencer Rattler key, I think, in my opinion, offensive wise, is definitely the key. He's got to limit his, his turnovers. He's got yep. to learn how to throw the ball away. Yep. Don't make anything. Don't make a play out of something, out of nothing. Right. And so, so on and so forth. Uh, I think the running game for Oklahoma helps. I think Marvin, uh, Marvin I think Mims, um, I think he gets a big game, but I think when it's all said and done, I think it's a defensive battle. Yeah. I think Oklahoma has one home run ball, and uh, I think Oklahoma mm-hmm. takes care of business. I'm going to go 5-27 over Oklahoma State. But um, would I be surprised? No, not at all. They're a great team. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say kind of a, a surprise guy I would keep my eye on is Mikey Henderson. I think that that is a guy – um, along with Jeremiah Hall, I think both of those guys, but I think Mikey Henderson's just athletic ability. I think that that could be a guy that you see used a little bit more this week, especially if Stogner is still not quite 100%. And I think he could really make his mark on this game and really give fits to this OUD or OSU defense um, just because he is so hard to account for out of the backfield, and he has got real athletic ability. I mean, we saw it against Kansas. They're handing him the ball off as a halfback, and he looks legit. When he catches the ball, he looks like a receiver. Um, this is the best uh, halfback, fullback kind of position guy that they have ever had from an athletic standpoint um, at Oklahoma ever. And you're talking about greats there, Trey Millard, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Flowers, even Jeremiah Hall. I mean, there have been some incredible guys, but this kid um, is a different breed and could really leave his mark on this game. I think that that could really throw OSU's defense off. And you think you look at Oklahoma's offensive wise, I think this is. Once we get past, and I understand COVID may be here next year, and that's perfectly amazing. It's not perfectly fine, but it's something we got to deal with. But you look at you look at this team, this team offensively and defensively. Would you say? I know on my end, I probably would. I, I would. I I can't even picture a year. I can't even think of a team that would you can compare to. Would you say that this is probably the quickest offensive-wise and defensive-wise talented team in Oklahoma in quite some time, if not ever? Man, that's a great – I cannot put a team, another team to this team, even though I get they're young. But, boy, these guys are fast and quick. Yeah, the, the speed is for real. I, 
Man, that's hard. There were some really fast defenses in those early. That 2003 defense had a lot of speed on the field. Um, 2004, I mean, so I know it was a different era of of defense, but, I mean, you did have some guys that could really run and back then, and that's kind of what they were known for. Offensively, you might be right. I mean, there really is a lot um, out there. I Definitely in the last 10 years, we haven't seen athletes like this on the field for OU probably since that 08 championship game against oh, Florida. Yeah. It's probably been easily 12 years since we've seen athletes like this on both. And I, I don't know that I've ever seen this much depth at D-line. I mean, when you really think about that, that a, a defense that could rotate six guys through that were just legitimately, you know, eating away at the offensive line, it is – I mean, I know we had Tommy Harris. I know we had Gerald McCoy. Dusty well, was, yeah, but it was, you know, three, four guys, right? Three, four guys deep that you just went, yes, if those guys are in, we, you know, we're fine. Um, this this team right now is easily six deep of guys that you're not worried about being in. Josh Ellison's played great. Kelly played great. Isaiah Thomas, great. Winfrey, great. Uh, LaRon Stokes has played really well. Uh, I mean, you just keep going. I mean, they just – they are playing really, really well at that defensive line position. And they, like I said, they are easily five, six deep of just bringing trouble. Ronnie Perkins, I didn't even mention. That's the best one of the entire crew right there. So you name all those other guys without naming Ronnie Perkins and you feel great. And then you add Ronnie Perkins. It's been a long time, long, long time since we've been able to say that. Well, absolutely. And, you know, and to add, um, some more to that defensive line, of course, former Bomber himself, Jalen Redmond, yep. even though, you know, he opted out, of course, from my acknowledgement, um, I guess there was some other health issues that he mm-hmm. wanted to take care of. So that was perfectly fine. Sure. Um, of course, he, he's got to take care of himself in the long haul. Um, Corey Roberson's been playing a lot. Guy, Again, we didn't even mention a, another young guy, um, a guy that's a friend of our podcast. He's one of the recruits we got a chance to interview and have maintained a relationship with, and that kid is for real. Reggie Grimes, I mean – Again, you can just go on for days with the bodies and athleticism and pass rush they've got at that position right now. Oh, absolutely. Marcus Dix is injured. Marcus Dix, yep. And you got Win, you know, Winfrey, this kid's a mammoth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I said this when when they recruited Perkins. Um, You never know, right? Like, so I would say body type wise, when you're just thinking about the way they're built. The closest thing we've seen to Perry on Winfrey and to uh, Ronnie Perkins, or I'd say they, the closest they are to, if you remember the five-star defensive end that uh, we had several years ago, R.J. Washington, way back in the day. I mean, we're going – but when you saw him physically, it was just like, oh, my Lord. Like, you, like you're not of this planet. I mean, there was no body fat. <laughs> 265, 275 pounds, athletic. Now he never really put it together like we hoped for. But when you saw Ronnie Perkins as a as a senior in high school going, okay, this guy weighs 250, 260. And again, he's probably eight percent body fat. Like you just don't see D Lyman like that. Periel Winfrey, 303, not a fat guy. Like this isn't some kind of chubby guy in the middle. This is a long, lean athlete at 303 pounds. That's coming after you. Reggie Grimes, another guy, 265, doesn't even look, looks like he can add more weight, doesn't even look like he's totally filled his frame yet. I mean, when you're seeing that kind of body build out of these guys, that just bids well for speed, athleticism, quickness, all those different things that you want and strength out of that position. And, and they've got a lot of those bodies right now. 
it's, it's, this team's looking good for the future, of course. Um, even with the recruits coming in for next year, this team's it, this team is is loaded. Um, your thoughts on the? <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting next year. Your thoughts on what potential quarterback battle we could have next year? Of course, Spencer Rattler, which we all should imagine uh, is coming, uh, should be the starter next year. But you got Caleb Wood. Back, uh, I think out of the DC area, the best quarterback out of this uh, this um, high school uh, class down the road. We've seen it happen not at just Oklahoma, other universities. Eventually, we could see some one of these two transfer out, or do you think Rattler could finish one of these two him or so on and so forth? Or I know it's a tough question. I haven't seen Caleb down here at OU yet. Uh, um, but if he's as good as they say is, do we could we potentially see Rattler or on the road eventually transfer? I mean, if there was some way that Caleb Williams beats Spencer out for starter, yes, I think Spencer's gone, right? Um, but I don't see that happening if Caleb Williams comes in and doesn't win the job, if that makes sense. I, I think this is where Kyler is such a a piece for Lincoln Riley in the recruiting game because Kyler Murray, I think we can all agree that when we finally saw Kyler Murray play, we all knew he could run. We knew his athleticism. But then when we saw him – under Lincoln, throwing the ball the way he did, I think we all kind of said, you know, I think he's better than Baker. And we did not think we would be saying that. We thought he would say he was a better athlete, but not the better quarterback. And I think oh, it's very no. clear that he is. His arm talent is better. His accuracy better. And his athleticism better. But all that to say, Kyler had to sit. And Kyler sat for an extra year when Baker got that extra year of eligibility that he didn't think Baker was going to have. And I can tell you that I knew somebody that was already telling us back then, Kyler Murray's going to win a Heisman Trophy. Yep. And this was before he ever took a snap. So that is something that Lincoln Riley, when, when these recruits are able to interact with Kyler, he's able to say, look, man, it was frustrating. I felt like I was better. And I think Kyler would tell you that. He's a very confident dude. But he can say, look, I waited my turn. I learned the offense. I learned from the guy in front of me. I played one year, and in one year, I was the number one pick overall in that draft. You're the number one high school quarterback coming out in your class. Just wait your turn, and if you can get one year of greatness, you can have everything you want, and this is the best guy to learn from. Now, will these kids be that patient? I don't know, but you you know that they've got a video when they come on campus or when they're doing virtual visits that that conversation's being had. Um, and so we'll see. I, I do not anticipate either of those guys transferring. I think your transfer is going to be the Mordecai Chandler Morris. Um, I could even see um, if this kid out of the 22 class that they're now recruiting, uh, Weg, uh, I don't know if you say it, Wegman or Wegman, uh, Texas kid who's a dual sport kid, um, high four-star rated quarterback. Um, I could see him potentially at some point transferring out. But I think – you know, I do think Spencer finishes out, especially if he continues on the trajectory he's on. As good as Caleb Williams is, he is more athlete than quarterback right now. So I think the extra time of learning and being tutored will do him well. Um, we'll see. But I, I think these two stay for the long haul. They get their chances at being in New York and sitting in a Heisman finalist chair, and then they go on to the NFL. Right. 
right on the um, right on the wagon with you. I think I especially think. I mean, again, is if is Caleb good? Absolutely. Can he beat out Spencer? I'm sure he probably could. I think next year uh, I would probably be safe to say should be Spencer's year. I think more of a quarterback battle. Yeah. I just unless Caleb just blows the waters away and this kid just like man this kid just <laughs> he's above everybody else and then some. I just don't see Lincoln going to another season with practically what you would consider a rookie quarterback and uh, I, I just I don't see it. But you know, hey, look at Trevor Knight. He beat out <laughs> Baker. Beat out Trevor Knight. So I mean, yeah. Baker, no, but uh, right. But again, Oklahoma is going to be interesting. So six thirty kickoff on ABC for Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Not for sure if you guys uh, or if you've kept. I've tried my best. Of course, Oklahoma City Thunder draft took place last night. Man. Um. First of all, I, I can't even pronounce our new head coach's name. No, nobody can. Nobody, Sam Presti can't pronounce it. I don't think he can pronounce his own last name. No, no one knows. It's just that guy. Like it's that that blue guy that you had over there. So, so all you guys listening in, Billy Donovan leaves, heads up to Chicago, which we all expect at least something was going to happen with uh, Billy Donovan. Uh, I went to a few Thunder games last year. Fans. Wasn't a fan of Billy Donovan. Some of you hear some boo birds out there, but um, again, so he's gone. Bring a new guy in the NBA's uh, OKC G League's head coach. Well, name of the head coach. Uh, he comes in, I guess, takes a helm over it, and then so on and so forth. We bring him in. Now we got uh, Dennis Schroeder going to the Lakers for the 28th pick, in which the Thunder finally traded that one off last night. Of course, mm-hmm. the biggest blockbuster of them all is Chris Paul going to uh, Phoenix in exchange for practically the Suns' entire bench. Um, you got uh, Abura, Rubio, Jermaine, uh, Jermon, um, you got um, Larik, and oh, Kelly Abura Jr. I'm sure I'm butchering his last name. I apologize if you're listening. No, again, nobody knows how to say any of these guys' last names that they have drafted. Ubre is the only one I think that we know um, that we kind of have a feeling of how to uh, say it and pronounce it. Outside of that, who stinking knows? I mean, it's crazy uh, what they've done. And they've, you know, they've basically brought Team Europe here um, Mm -hmm. through the draft and all those kinds of things. So it's crazy right now. You got Danny Green that came here. Now he's traded off. Of course, that took place last night. Chris Paul, Ricky Rubio last night, great traded off. And then, of course, the Thunder last night. If people, you missed it, or if you were sleeping, I didn't watch the draft. I was listening. That was about as much as I could handle. Um, the 76ers trade Al Horford to the Thunder for Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson. Your uh, Daryl, I could I haven't even got a chance to even think about my thoughts on this one. What's your first take on Al Horford coming to Oklahoma City? Of course, a lot of people had him coming when Kevin Durant did what he did mm-hmm. um, a few years back to head to Golden State. Your thoughts on Horford? Does that put a potential? And I know Stephen Adams' name is mentioned out there. Do we see it? Do we see now Adams being traded, or is this just another piece of what Sam Presti's trying to do? Either get picks like he's done, mm-hmm. 
or what do we make of this? Is Al Horford, I don't know what his age is, but he's got to be, what, mid-30s by now? Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, this is not some kind of trade to run it back um, or anything like that. I, I think this is completely um, a move for one – the Thunder have to spend so much money, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of the CBA. They they have to spend um, so much in order to get there. Well, this kind of brought some money in as well as a pick. I mean, and that's what he's trying to get um, uh, is he's trying to collect more picks. And so this did. This brought a pick along with him um, in the midst of it. So he adds more arsenal to his draft capital um, to be able to do some things. So he got that out of it. Um, and it brings a veteran presence, and it and it fills up again the cash flow that you need. Al Horford is a good enough player, though, that at the mid at the mid season mark, this is a guy you can move, right? If a team is really on the verge and close to something, this is a guy you'd be able to send somewhere um, to help with the team and give those kinds of things. But you also do need a veteran presence here, and I think that we all know that Stephen Adams is going to be shopped. Um, you know. Danny Green's already been shopped, and now even tonight the rumors are that the, the Golden State Warriors and the Thunder are close to making a deal for Oubre now going to the Golden State Warriors. So, you know, you're left with Baisley, you're wet, left with Lugansdor, you're left with Shea, um, and then the only other, you know, body you have that's got experience is Steven Adams. And, and I think that it's he's on an expiring contract. He's probably going to be shipped out at some point as well. So I think Al Horford fills the books financially. It brought a pick and, again, just gives you a veteran presence to teach these young guys how to be professionals. I think that's really the move with Al Horford. Absolutely. I'm I'm looking at it as we speak. Horford uh, has three years remaining on his four-year deal that was worth $109 million. So uh, for all you people out there listening, that's what his contract looks for the next three more years. Regardless if he spends him with the rest with Oklahoma City or he goes elsewhere, that's what his contract looks. And you look at Oklahoma City, a team that – I don't know. Uh, this team is interesting. Of course, a year ago they had a 0.2% chance of making the playoffs. They were a win away from beating the Rockets and advancing around the Western Conference playoffs. Um, what do you – what would be your reasonable expectations? I think this year for mine, well, first of all, let's get a season going first. I, I don't know how that's going to still work. I know Chesapeake uh, Energy Arena, they announced all what there is, but, of course, just because they announced what they're going to do doesn't mean they're going to have a basketball season. Uh, if we happen to have a basketball season, um, realistically, from my end, I think let's just enjoy basketball. Um, yeah. What what would your reasonable expectations of this, whatever this team we're going to get, what this team will look like? Um, what's your expectation for this year's team? Oh, I mean, I think there's zero. And, you know, this has been talked about a lot of not only is this the time for Oklahoma City to try to rebuild and get youthful, um, but really it lands in a perfect time with it being a COVID season, right? If you're really not going to have fans in the stands and it sounds like, you know, mm-hmm. even if they try to have some, it's going to be very minimal, right? So you're not going to have any um, revenue coming in for that. Clear the books, be as low as you can possibly be on salary and try to get some young guys that you see potential in through the draft and see if they hit. So, you know, this Poku kid from Siberia, they obviously trade up to go get him. They think he's potentially another, you know, Porzingis type unicorn, a seven footer who can shoot and dribble and do it all. 
Um, and they're, they're, they went ahead and took their shot. And if he is, great. You've hit on it. And now the next yep. year, you're able to kind of make a move. But this year is going to be just trying to see if these young guys can play or not. You do want to see Shea take another step. Um, you do want to see Dort take another step. And you want to see Baisley take another step. Um, but is this team a playoff team? Heck no, not in this oh, West. No. Um, there's there's no way. So like you said, enjoy basketball. And this really is, this is a team you got to watch and go, do we see them improving? And if we see them improving from their skill sets, you know, night after night, month after month through the season, that is a win. If the kid we traded up to go get really is everything that some people think he is, then this is a win. And if we see those things, great. And then next year's draft, you take all this draft capital and a draft that's supposed to be loaded with talent, and then you go build from there. And if I think even Dort, uh, Baisley, and um, uh, Shea really do progress, that's where you have the potential to go trade for or maybe for the first time ever Oklahoma City has a potential to lure a high target free agent because you're you're going to be able to say look we got three guys on cheap contracts we can pay you whatever we want to pay you these guys are already on the verge of the playoffs imagine if we add you imagine if we add these draft picks we've got something here so you have a selling point in that way right to be able to bring something like that and that's what you're hoping for out of the season oh absolutely and people that um that Expect us to be a player. This team very well coming, I guess. Theoretically, I guess they could make the playoffs. Um, but anything is going to be tough. You got the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nuggets. The Suns are a lot better now, especially with Chris Paul now at the helm at the point guard. Uh, Dallas, I think, still going to improve. San Antonio will get back to where they were at once was. So the West is going is the is. Cream of the crop, oh, man. NBA the league, and probably the toughest. Now, if they were in the Eastern Conference, I would say, "Hey, yeah, <laughs> let's see what happens." Right? Let's let's run for it. Let's see what happens. Right? And we're gonna find out of this coach. Right? We're gonna find out Mark Jagger or whatever. Uh, we're gonna find out. Can he really develop talent? And so we'll see how that goes. I know that he's spoken of well by all the players, and so yeah, just enjoy the season. This is um. This is going back to when we had the Hornets here, right? The Hornets were not a good team, and we all said, look, we have NBA basketball. Be excited that you have NBA basketball. And we even talked about this on the pod. Keep watching games. And if they let us go to games, keep going to games. Keep investing in this team, even though it's down. Don't become that city that just bails on the team because we're in the down years. That's how professional sports work. It's not college where you're good every year. You're going to go through rebuild, stick with this team through it, continue to be Loud City, continue to support it, and be really excited that you're growing up another great crop of young players. Well, absolutely. And I get that uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, and, and, I, and I see their point because, you know, look at Bob Stoops winning the national championship his second year at Oklahoma. And it's an it's an, a unfair justice uh, for the Thunder just because, well, oh, you football, baby. You know, their coach was – okay, there's a difference from college football to the NBA. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, like you said, we, we shouldn't expect any – I mean, let's just enjoy it, continue to invest in, in this organization. Um, hey, Oklahoma City just in itself is growing. Of course, we got the new stadium downtown. Eventually going to be groundbreaking and, and built and all that stuff with the soccer team and what they want to do with that. With the NBA um, – and yeah, you'll probably be the more. I think it'll be like the second person to ask. And of course, this one, you're being local, so you kind of more than what 
others did, but uh, with the Thunder's success, which I wasn't surprised uh, here in Oklahoma City, I'm not really too much worried about the NFL. Do you think we could eventually down the road, probably, I don't know, 20, 30, I'll give us another 10 more years. Down the road, do you think we can at least land one more major league sport, or do you think that's about what we're going to be doing? I know that major league soccer is their biggest goal, of course, with that stadium. But for the exception of the MLS, do you see we could get another friend, um, professional sports team here, or do you think about this is about what we're going to be doing in here in Oklahoma City? Uh, maybe, maybe something like an MLS squad that that you know doesn't have an expectation of having you know eighty five that. I mean NFL, no MLB, no um, nothing like that. You know an MLS or something like that. Maybe I, I still think we're quite a ways away from that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think again the college market is just too big here. Um, so I mean we'll see. Um, you know so I, I don't think anything else on the fringe major um, comes here for for quite some time. Um, and I could be wrong about that. We'll see. Um, but we've seen, um, you know, minor league hockey hasn't necessarily done great. They've done okay. Uh, minor league soccer, you know, with the energy, they've done fine, but nothing great. Uh, even our AAA baseball team, it's it's one of the better attended ones, but it's not something that's going to, you know, push you over the edge to anything else. Basketball was the – that's the other thing I would say. Oklahoma City t- did such a great job because basketball was perfect. You're talking about a sport that – a stadium can't hold more than 20-something thousand, right? And, and that's that's selling out, which most stadiums don't do. And so for you to pick a sport like that where you're not trying to get, again, 30, 40, 50,000 in, you're just trying to get 20, and to kind of do a sport that, you know, is not uh, a divided area, I guess you would say, right? I think we all kind of uh, don't really get that bent out of shape about that. Football is owned by the college uh, oh, scene yeah. here basketball is not and so again it was just a perfect fit and, and a really good thing i would love eventually to see something like an mls team here um, but i still think we're probably at least five to ten years away and and again a lot of it's going to depend on how energy does right because um if oil and gas and those kinds of things that really drive the economy here start to go down well then it hurts your chances for those but if those things continue on um, then i think maybe five ten years now you you could potentially see that come through well, absolutely, and I think I've been to two energy games. Um, not as, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge soccer fan. I don't know anything about soccer. I couldn't tell you what the ref flag was for. All I know is the guy fell on the ground, and he's either faking an injury or he's actually is hurt. I don't know, right. but but I couldn't. It's an interesting environment, nonetheless. Taft Stadium, of course, the oldest, uh, is a historic stadium itself, but it's just uh, with COVID now, uh, I don't know what they drew – once they re-kicked everything back off, um, of course, you know, like you said, oil and gas here in Oklahoma is what's going to drive or break. It's going to make or break the state, and that's just how it's going to happen. But we're, we're definitely far, far away, I think, um, from anything, I think, at this point. I think the Major League Soccer is probably more realistic, especially with that um, stadium eventually being built. I don't know what's taking so long for the groundbreaking. But um, nonetheless, um Few more questions. Uh, I know we kind of went back and forth. Your thoughts? And uh, <laughs> I'm a big. Um, oh, you needs to leave the Big Twelve. Do, 
Uh, it's eventually disbanding, or do we see the Big 12, let's say it's the year 2030, do you see it still see the Big 12 uh, being the Big 12, or does Oklahoma, even Oklahoma State, Texas, can we see these top-notch teams finally leave and go elsewhere? Um, I think if we're talking, you know, even just three or four years ago, for sure, I think now the, the landscape has really changed. And, and you know, the, te- the, the conference right now that's going to disband is the Pac-12. Um, it is not going to sustain and it is not going to make it. They are not making money. They are not entering revenue. And at the end of the day, conferences and joining conferences is about revenue. Um, and the Big 12 with 10 teams sits very strongly in third place in that conversation behind the SEC and behind well, the Big 10, the SEC, and then the Big 12. And so money is what rules the day. Um, I, I think that you are going to see teams like Arizona State, Arizona, BYU. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how far into that Pac-12 they kind of reach. Um, but I don't think it will be much longer before that that is a conversation. Now, the, the big factor is I don't think it's so much that um, I'm not on the train of OU needs to leave the Big 12. I am on the train that they need to get a commissioner that has foresight and is aggressive in moving forward. Um, and the last two commissioners you've had are not that. They sit around and just listen to whatever Texas and Oklahoma want to do. Well, and both and they don't think on behalf of the conference. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, Commissioner Bowlesby's old school. He's what pack. He's the original Big Eight, as far as I know. Yeah, and, and so you know that's where you know, and I've said this forever. The Big Twelve missed their opportunity when the ACC did not have a big TV contract, and that whole conference was trash. Clemson was on the up, right? Florida State was a little bit on the down, but if you could have gone in and grabbed like a a Duke, a Clemson. Um, or even let's just say Clemson, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and one other team. Now you have a 14-team conference that ties in with West Virginia out on the East Coast and would have brought you two programs that instantly give you more credibility as a conference. But they didn't even attempt to do that. That, that was not even a thought in their radar, and now they've signed their TV contract and there's nowhere they're going to go. So um, I, I don't think that, that Oklahoma and Texas need to leave the Big 12. I, I can understand if they do, but I think they're sitting in a really good position and they're sitting in a great spot. Um, they are sitting in a conference that has the potential, especially with the coaches they have now, to bring in teams like Arizona, Arizona State, maybe even a UCLA and USC that makes them more credible because the media is always going to want a California team to, to be relevant, right? So they're going to prop those things up. Um, I know a lot of people, we need to go to the SEC. And I'm just telling you right now, money-wise, that will be fine. For OU in Texas, it will be a travesty. And here's why. We've seen it. The SEC is going to protect their legacy. And their legacy is Georgia, mm-hmm. Alabama, LSU, and Auburn. So what do you think is going to happen when you join that conference? They're not going to give you the cupcake schedule like they do to Alabama and all the others like they do every year. Now, they're going to claim it's the hardest schedule ever because they believe that every single team in their conference is a world beater, and that's not true. South Carolina has not been a good team in a long time. Okay, Ole Miss has not been a very good team in a long time. Mississippi State is not any good. Vanderbilt, not any good. I mean, we can go down the list, right? Arkansas, Terry. So what do they do? And this was the stat we've thrown out time and time again. Oklahoma has played UCLA Mm -hmm. in the last 11 years more times than Alabama has played Georgia in a regular season. Yep. 
Okay. So what are they doing? They're protecting Georgia from Alabama so they can get to the top and they're going to do the same. And we saw it this year with the COVID schedules, right? They opened up teams like Missouri, Arkansas, all those are the teams filling the schedule for Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. And they're going to do the same thing to Oklahoma. And it just builds their case that much more. It builds their narrative that much more. If we've been playing greater football than everybody else, just look at at Oklahoma and Texas at as soon as they joined our conference. They're losing three and four games a year. Well, yeah, you gave us the worst gauntlet of all time that most teams would lose maybe two games or three games in a season, and but it's going to perpetuate their narrative. So that's your worst choice. Uh, again, I, I'm hoping that they will look ahead and see the Pac-12 is dying and try to go get even an Oregon, um, those kinds of places. And we've seen Oklahoma recruit really well from those areas as well. So let's just take advantage of it. Absolutely. Do you, could you see um, Arizona, Arizona State? Do you think the Big 12 – let's just say the, the Pac-12 is absolutely dying. Mm-hmm. My top teams would be – Probably would be what Arizona, Arizona State. If we can get that region probably together. Mm-hmm. Oh man, this would be a tough one. Um, In all honesty, here's where I would go. I would dis. I would. I would find a way to discard West Virginia. I know that's terrible, but they're on the opposite side. Let them go to the ACC wherever they want to go. Then you go get Washington, Oregon. You go get USC, uh, UCLA. You get Arizona, Arizona State, and you go pick one more out of all those schools, right? Out of those Pac-12 schools, a Colorado maybe, um, something like that. Um, if you can get BYU to not be independent, you pick up BYU. At that point, you're a 16-team conference. You've got it. You're set. You're good to go. And you've got tradition, and you've got a West division and a and an East division that's very easy to separate. No one's having to travel super, super far. Um, and yet you get some really cool opportunities, right? To go to Arizona State is a great place to go watch a game. UCLA, USC, great. Everybody wants to go to Cali. Um, Oregon and Washington, beautiful areas of the country. So you get some really fun, and you get good football programs. Um, and especially, I think, if they joined a conference like that where stadiums are starting to be full, um, when they go on the road, that is intriguing to athletes, and they want to go play in those environments. And so I think it could really benefit it well, and that would be the 16-team conference I would build. That would be nice. And you know, I'd, I'd be honest with you, I had no idea the Pac-12 was, was struggling. And, hey, I would say – I would definitely say if I was uh, Commissioner Bowlesby, and uh, I'm sure he's probably not listening, but if he is, go out, <laughs> he'd go out there and, and get those teams because uh, Big, Big 12 has got to make a – Make a jump somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I get it. But um, final topic, uh, real quick. Long Kruger's Oklahoma Sooners start uh, tip off next week. Um, of course, last year, COVID, everything, we get that. I haven't really studied much of Long Kruger's team this year. I'm not for sure if you have or not. If you have, um, what kind of team are we looking to put out there this year on the court? I haven't looked at them a lot. I listened to a couple guys the other day. I don't know. This team always intrigues me. I keep always hearing, man, this is going to be a really athletic team. Whereas when I see the product, I don't really see great athleticism. (laughs) I I mean, I heard that last year. Oh, we're going to have such great athletes. Well, I didn't really feel like we did have that per se. Um, Now they're going to be well coached. They're going to play hard. um, Those kinds of things. I think that's kind of the state of Oklahoma basketball right now is, um, 
is just kind of looking for a team that will play really hard and hopefully Lon brings in a big time recruit every once in a while, like a Trey Young, like a Buddy Heald, um, that kind of sets the world on fire. Um, but it kind of seems like that's the trajectory of this program right now. And that's kind of what I would expect this year is maybe seeing somebody that rises to the top um, and a team that will be okay, but nothing special. That's kind of what I was thinking. But like I said, I haven't done much research on them. And and I can honestly say that I haven't done a deep dive in any of them either. Um, but um, we know that there's no household name that came in a recruiting no. class here. There's some good athletes. There's some good guys that people wanted. Now we're going to see if they develop or not. Absolutely, and uh, maybe one day we'll uh, replace the Lowy Noble Center. Yeah, exactly. That that would be nice. <laughs> oh. My dad went to OU in the seventies after he graduated from here from Illinois State High School, and he said that back in that day that arena was, I guess, top of notch. And he says now when he um, goes visits there, uh, it's a, it's an eyesore. Not to make fun of Oklahoma. No, I, hey, OU, we everyone kind of, agrees. I mean, everybody in the OU fan base agrees. You're, you feel like you're seven miles away from the court. Um, it just doesn't look appealing when you even walk in. It doesn't feel like you're going to go get an electric atmosphere, whereas like a Gallagher Iba where it's built straight up um, and you're on top of the court, even in the nosebleeds, that's, that's, you know, that's what you're looking for. Absolutely. And uh, as always, Daryl, it's, it's been a pleasure. Um, I know you're, you guys probably got some stuff you got to finish up on as well, but um, it's been a pleasure talking with you. As always, uh, guys, reach out to Daryl at Just OK Sport. Um, definitely give his, uh, him and Troy some love on, on iTunes, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, and follow them on Twitter again, Just OK Sport. And, um, as always, Daryl, you're more than welcome to come on this show. Hey, man, thanks so much. I had a blast, and I appreciate it, man. Grateful for, for having us on. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely do this again somewhere down the road for sure. Absolutely, and I'll be uh, keeping contact with you, and uh, we'll definitely uh, chit-chat after Bellum, and uh, hopefully we have a good one. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> well, take care, Daryl. Have a happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and stay safe, and uh, – Best wishes. All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Same to you. Talk to you soon.